Hi, everyone, and welcome to Making Ways. I'm Rob Goodman, and I'm so excited to welcome you to the show. On Making Ways, we'll be talking to creative people of all walks about the unexpected paths they took to land in a creative dream job. We'll talk to artists and writers and designers, entrepreneurs, business people about their path to get to where they are in their careers. And my hope with this show is that it provides you with tips and guidance and advice and maybe even a blueprint on the steps that you can take to get to a career in creativity that you'll love. My path to launching this show is probably just as windy as some of the guests that we'll talk to. I've been an artist my whole life, and my passion for music was my gateway into the world of marketing. I worked for Sony Music for several years until I got really into digital marketing and then hopped over to Simon & Schuster, the book publisher, where ultimately I was running online marketing there. And I never would have thought that by going into book publishing, I would end up in technology. But that's what happened. I moved from New York out to San Francisco to join Google, where I helped launch Google Play and ran global marketing for digital publishing. Since leaving Google, I've started my own company called Openverse. And nowadays, I'm working with startups and smaller organizations to help them build stories that will connect with the right audience. I do that through marketing strategy and content and brand, and I'm absolutely loving it. I've also made more time for my passions like music and art. I want to tell you about our sponsor for today's show, General Assembly. General Assembly is all about giving you the tools you need to pursue a career that you'll love. Whether you want to become a developer or a designer or learn about UX or data science, digital marketing, General Assembly has campuses all across the country, even across the globe. They're here in San Francisco too, and they offer courses during the week, on the weekends, at nights. So whether you're in a job now or you're between jobs, you can find a class there that will really upgrade your skills and set you on a track towards, well, a career that you'll love. So check out General Assembly's website. Just type in General Assembly into your web browser and then put a dot before the L-Y. You'll go to their site. There's tons of free events they offer every week, and I really encourage you to sign up. I'm really excited for today's show. We're talking to Sarah Remington. She's an amazing photographer based here in San Francisco. She shoots food and lifestyle for an array of clients. We talk about one of her recent projects with Haagen-Dazs, and her first book called From Paris to Provence, her life growing up, how she made some big changes during college to really pursue her passions in photography, and the mentorship she got early on in her career that not only helped her become a professional photographer, but helped her understand how to run a business around photography. I think you'll learn a lot, and Sarah and I had a blast recording this interview. There's a lot of laughs, a lot of goofing around, but in between all of that is a ton of lessons that I hope is meaningful for you. All right, let's start the show. Sarah, welcome. Thank you. That's the sound of my mom clapping in the background. Uh, She's so proud of you. Yeah. Did you have any shoots this week? Do you have any? I have one tomorrow. It's actually, you might have heard of it. It's for uh, Juicero. It's a juice startup company. It's a cold press juice company. Oh, wow. And it's, um, yeah, so I was, I have that. I, we're just, you know, shooting, uh, what are we shooting? Uh, fruits and veggies in piles and chop of fruits and veggies in piles and shots of the press and juice shots and all this good stuff. So I've done stuff with them before. It's really nice. What is the process you go through to like 
set up that shoot and and shoot all these ingredients. You know, we hear a lot about food photography and how so much of it is like treated or faked or like sprayed with like weird things to to look to look a certain way. (laughs) But like take us through the actual process for for shooting, especially for Haagen-Dazs, because who doesn't love ice cream? So the process is really fun, and it involves lots of people and opinions. So it's not just me. Um, there's a food stylist, prop stylist, assistants, prop costs, food costs, and lots of other things um, involved leading up to the shoot. And then involved in the shoot, usually there's an agency, advertising agency, and then there's a client, which is Haagen-Dazs. Wait, so, but <laughs> when you're on the on the set, are you the one kind of directing everything or you're really in charge of just the photography aspect of well kind of uh, well directing from what the agency gives me they give me an idea of what they want and then I it's sort of a problem solving um, situation where they give me um, some sketches in this case they were amazing sketches and they were pretty straightforward and they said build this the way we want it and so um, there are all these different ingredient piles that we had to photograph and they were like two by two inches because they were tiny and so I had to direct my assistant and then the food stylist and how I was shooting it and how they had to sculpt these ingredients and then basically let them go and do their thing and feel confident in their abilities to take it to the next level. When did you first <laughs> know you wanted to be a photographer? Okay. Um, well, I think, when was it? It was in, well, when we were, if you want to get really detailed, I remember in eighth grade, remember when you go from eighth to ninth grade? I do. So our Traded middle school had eighth grade. It was a middle school. And then we go to high school and you had to pick, pick a couple of extracurricular. And I'm like, hey, look at this. They teach photography. I thought that was really cool because I thought it was just like art, gym, and then a language and something else. So I, I, when I saw that, I was really interested. That's when I was 13. And, um, and then my mom bought me a camera and I, that's all I did. I really loved shooting everything and anything and I thought I was pretty good at it and won a couple of awards in high school in our art you know art shows which is very encouraging and when it came time to apply for colleges uh what how many years five five four years later but in fact sorry I did graduate high school on time not five, seven years later I went to high school for seven years um, you got really good at photography during yeah, high school I was like yeah, the woman time. Matthew McConaughey version and <laughs> Anyway, so I, I was like, I want to go to Syracuse University, which is where we we met yep. lovingly. Yeah. And uh, and I just wanted to major in photography because that's all I loved to do and all I knew what I wanted to do. So I think I was lucky in that respect because I knew exactly what I wanted to do. What do you so like, What do you love most about it? Like the that's big, so long lenses. That's so awesome <laughs> that you have that passion. You've been doing it for for years now. What What uh. is it about photography that you love so much? Well, I do love the... Well, when I first started shooting, they, we didn't have digital. Keep in mind, this was the 90s, and you know, when everybody now was born. Yeah, Saved by doing, the Bell. Yeah, um, totally. Car phones. Right. Uh, <laughs> That's what it. What? Car... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Dunkaroos. Um, yeah. Oh, God. 90s pizza. Yeah, reality bites. Yeah, right. So yeah, so what I really loved about it is the non-immediacy of it. And so shooting uh, film and then um, waiting to process it. And then once we process it, going to the darkroom and making prints. And so like that slow, meticulous process was so um, intoxicating and encouraging to me. And to this day, I would 
spend hours in the dark room if I had access to one, but I don't. So when you I shoot do it digitally today, yeah, I mean, you can't do it any other way. You can't, I mean, I've shot, I've shot one or two things with film, but it was only because like I wanted to, and I had the film and I thought it would look pretty, but they weren't paying extra for the film. So it was sort of on my dime, but, uh, yeah, but that, I think it, it would have been a different experience if I was taught in a school that only taught digital and everything was immediate and everything went onto a computer. I think for me, what I fell in love with was the process of taking the film and holding it and then processing it and kissing it and sleeping with it and pressing it, <laughs> sitting on it. Is and there an <laughs> equivalent for that in digital? Like where you still feel that connection to the process, even though the immediacy is, is um, there now? Yeah, no, I do. It's different. It's different though. I think it's like, I don't know how to describe it in a way that would really encompass my feelings for it. I get excited. Like my heart races when I shoot and I know I'm getting something good and I know I'm going to download it and I could touch it up and, and change some things about it. Um, and I also do that with Instagram too. I know that's kind of lamish, but I embrace new technology because you can't avoid it and it's going in that direction. Um, and so I get the same amount of excitement and passion as I did when I went into the dark room, but it's a different, a different way of doing things. Um, obviously photography has become like a huge part of everyone's lives with the advent of the smartphone and iPhone. Everyone has a camera with them right. at all times. Instagram has become massively popular. So you've got a lot of people who are maybe creating beautiful one-off images. Maybe they're getting some kind of fame off of this. Um, right. I'd love to hear from your perspective as a professional paid photographer, how you feel about that kind of social media photography, like how the, how that's brought competition to your world or how it's, yeah. you know, differentiated from what you do and just your opinion about people who are like, yeah, I'm a photographer. I've got a popular Instagram. Yeah. Okay. Everybody's a photographer, but it's like the same analogy. Like I have a piano in my house. I'm a piano player. I have an instrument. I play this or whatever. Or, I mean, furthermore, um, being a photographer isn't just like taking a picture, like that's like 10% of it. So, um, I think it's really funny when people say they're photographers and they get hired from their Instagram accounts. I think it's one of those things that's like really trendy where people are just Instagram or social media, um, heroes through photography is very trendy and it won't really last because most photography as in any other profession in the arts is supported by real hardworking, um, teams of people and you have to deal with clients in so many different ways. And so if you could, you could be a great photographer, but if you're extremely, um, self-centered and not willing to bend on set and don't understand what clients are asking you to do these things. And, um, you're like, I'm going to do it my way. Then you're never going to survive. You have to adapt to, um, you know, whatever they need you to do. So anyway, the, the, this whole social media thing, you should embrace it as a professional photographer, but never like think it as a threat. Like you just embrace it and use it to your advantage. Uh, let's go back to college for a minute because when I met you, so drunk. you were studying <laughs> graphic design or computer graphics. Oh yes. Right. So Wait, where did you find that out? Is that on the internet too? No, I remember you. Oh, I remember yeah, you okay. like working at the max in the lab and everything oh, and God, like, I hated and computer graphics. yeah. And, and how like Photoshop too, that's what we were on. Yeah. And how like oh, horrible God. it was. And then I remember later on in college when you made that switch and like you were like glowing, you were so happy. So what, why did you end up then going for computer graphics in college? And then what was that moment where you, where you were like, no, no, I need to go back to my passion. Yes. I have to do this. It's true. Um, so 
Well, I majored, I think I went in, I can't remember exactly what I did. I went in wanting to do photography, but then being scared to because I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do with it or exactly what I could do with it and make money, even though it's like all I wanted to do and all I was passionate about and all I thought about and dreamed about. And it was like... Yeah, like re- is, reality just kind of like was yeah. creeping on you and you were like, no, I I, I, got, I have to make another plan because yeah. I'm not sure I have the options I want with this passion. Right. And so, um, well, that was, and that, that was something I wish somebody, I had some mentor tell me not to do that because, or someone to tell me like, okay, listen, you can take this. If you're passionate about something, you can turn it into a career if you, you can figure it out. But I was like, I kind of just, I don't know where it came from society. Um, but we just, you know, I thought that, okay, well, it seems more, uh, practical to do something with computer graphics or graphic design. I didn't even, I don't think I actually told you earlier that I didn't, I majored, I tried to major in it, but I thought it, I thought about it, but then I changed it to computer graphics. So, and I actually hated computer graphics so much where like, I would just hate going to class because I didn't grasp the concept of coding. I could, I remember just being like, what, why do I hate it so much? And I, I wanted to get around it by actually like doing South Park type stuff where I like actually cut out construction paper and then photographing it and then scanning it in and like not actually, you know, doing the computer graphics part of it. And so I really, I quickly realized it's like, it's not going to work. So I changed it back to photography, I think sophomore year, maybe junior year. And then I had a, a minor in film. Now I was like really into cinematography and photography. So I combined those. Um, but again, it was all analog and we were doing the sort of brick and scissors thing with 16 millimeter and like taping it together. And it was so cool. I really liked it. Did you, did you try to look into careers available in photography or you just said to yourself, no, I really don't want to do this anymore. Let me do the thing I love. I'll figure out the career part later. And that's exactly what I did. And I was like, okay, we'll figure it out. And, um, so I kind of stayed focused and, and really wanted to do, um, I just I stayed focused and, and kept my head down and did projects that I wanted to do in school and figured that I would, something will happen. Once I moved to LA, which I wanted to do, my sister had moved to LA the year before. So I figured right after I graduate, I'll just move to LA because it's warm. I get to drive cross country. It's different. I don't want to move to New York City where it's cold, um, even though it's it probably would have been great for my, for everything. And, and Rob was there. We, yeah, we yeah. missed you in New York. Oh, God. <laughs> But, I was but now we're both on the West Coast. Yeah, totally. It's hey, yeah. it's sunny. And uh, so... So after I, college, you, you did move to LA? Yeah. And then I, I I figured that I'd be working in some capacity with... Oh, I skipped the part where I sent out like 100 resumes to like everybody and just galleries and graphic designers and photographers and filmmakers. And I don't really know what I was doing. I sort of just vomited out as many resumes as I could looking up people on the intranets in 2000, what was it? 2001 over the summer. Yeah. Cause you've and always then, been, I, I feel like you've always been very goal oriented, very career driven. It's, it's all about career. Fuck everything else. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, and, not, no, now you have a family and, and everything. And, I want to talk and, about that. But, <laughs> um, but so it's, I think it's wonderful that you were like, no, I'm going to pursue this passion, which may be amorphous and in this realm of creativity or creative that I don't know exactly how I'm going to pull in the money. But, uh, but then you pursued it from like a very kind of driven, systematic, um, yeah. goal oriented way. Yeah. I mean, I, I essentially just wanted to keep busy and work. And I, I think maybe, maybe I'm just patting myself on the back 
the difference between what how I was then and what people are now is that like I'm like I don't care I'll I'll clean, I'll clean a toilet whatever and like just did five different jobs five days a week with five different photographers and five different labs when they had film labs or galleries like I did everything I possibly could to kind of um you know get my not only my foot in the door but understand from the ground up what I could be doing and who are these people that are involved in the process because even if you are well, this is, you know, if you're doing something on the very, very low rung of the photography ladder, like fetching coffee or, you know, whatever, schlepping stuff, everybody knows everyone and you'll meet someone in the past that you'll eventually meet later. And it totally is proven to be true. Like all these guys that are guys, women, whoever that I met in LA when I was like in my early twenties, I've come full circle and met them again. And we all know the same people. And then we all help each other. It's like, it's, it's very, it's, it's very, it's a very beautiful thing. And it's, it's really like people forget how connected you are in the beginning and you have to really be nice to everybody and really understand where they're coming from and try everything. And I get a lot of people that ask to assist and I'm like, sure, whatever. Okay. And it's not like a cool, fun set where it's just like, I'm a cool photographer and I'm doing cool stuff. And we're just, you know, it's all this whole, whole, uh, bells and whistles of Instagram beauty of everything. I'm in the coolest space imaginable. I'm like 80% of the time I'm behind my computer and I'm, you're just marketing. And it's, it's a lot of, you know, it's a lot of the stuff that you don't really talk about. Cause it's not, it's not the, uh, the cool aspect of the business. So when you do find somebody to, that wants to work hard from the ground up now, which I have a couple people that wor- I work with like that, it's really special. Hey guys, I want to tell you about our sponsor for today, General Assembly. General Assembly is an organization dedicated to providing you with the tools to pursue a career that you'll love. And they offer courses in design, in marketing, in data science, in SEO. If you want to learn how to become a developer, they offer coursework in coding. And what I love about General Assembly is not only do they provide you with courses to really change your career, but they also have this incredible network. So after you graduate, you'll get to meet with companies who are hiring, talk to different people and organizations, get a sense of what they're looking for, workshop your resume, and actually transition into that job that you just took classes for. And whether you're in a job right now or you're between jobs, General Assembly has really set themselves up to suit your life. They've got classes during the week, on the weekends, even seminars and workshops at night. And they offer a ton of free events where you can go and listen to speakers in an area that you might be interested in learning about. It's a great way to dip a toe in the water, meet some really interesting folks, and hear about a career that might be perfect for you. So visit General Assembly. Their website is just General Assembly in the browser and then put a dot before the L-Y in assembly and you'll get right there. I encourage you to check it out and let me know what you think. Okay, let's get back to the show. What happened? Like, how long were you doing, like, five jobs, five days a week? Like, when did you start to emerge as Sarah Remington, the photographer, the, the, and, like, I have just, your sorry, own Sorry, it's projects? just Sarah, period. <laughs> I don't go by Remington. It's like, yeah, Prince. The break came in that I was shooting, I started shooting a little bit of, food because I had some chef friends that were, uh, I, I was just going in and out of kitchens with chef friends and I was kind of 
um, shooting what they're doing in a documentary style. And then I was doing some still life of food and I had no idea what a food stylist was. I didn't know anything about food photography. I never assisted food photographers. I don't, I don't know. I still don't know what I'm doing. I don't know. But I think that actually has a lot to do with like why if somebody just goes into it blindly and doesn't like follow what other people are doing, you could kind of create your own vision and path that way. I'll, I'll be taking a lot longer and making bigger mistakes along the way, but I think it's actually more beneficial creatively to someone not really paying attention to what other people are doing. I don't know. Some people would disagree, but I liked just being kind of mindless to what other, what you're supposed to do and just sort of do it and hope for the best. Yeah. I think it's and that so, beginner's mindset, right? If yeah. you approach something from a completely fresh perspective, yes, you know, separate from everyone who's been doing it for, you know, years and years and years. Yeah. Yeah. You're like you can look at it as a deficit or you can look at it as fresh eyes right? Uh, and a new exactly. approach. So that's great. Um, so I, so I had a friend that worked at, um, now, now, no longer existing Calumet rental place, um, photo rental place. And he had a friend who was doing freelance art directing for this now non-existent Napa food magazine. And they needed, they basically had like not a lot of money and they needed someone to do like a six page story. And he's like, here's Sarah's work. And I literally had 10 images of some weird strawberries on a table with big long shadows and like strawberry juice and like some eggs in a bowl of rice and like weird stuff that I don't know. I was, I was shooting them in, in my bedroom in San Francisco by this, in, in the bathtub with this crazy light. So I was like, oh, this light's so great in this window. So I'm just going to take this tiny set and put it in my bathtub and shoot it that way. And so I was, I was doing all that. And he, he showed those to the art director and they're like, all right, you're hired. And so I didn't make any money on it because I was spending, I spent all what I had on, you know, the time put into it, plus my assistant, plus, you know, everything else, the film, because I shot a little film. But it ended up being like this cover story. I was like, oh my God, this is great. Holy crap, cha-ching. <laughs> I was so rich and I rolled around in piles of money and the end, that's my career. And then uh, that was like 2005, oh, six, I think. Because it was about 10 years ago. Okay. Like, yeah. yeah, 10 year anniversary podcast. <laughs> yeah, it was about 10. And so, so I was still shooting weddings and that was the bulk of how I made my income. And I was also working with Catherine Carno, who is an amazing um, National Geographic photographer, and she lives in Marin, and I was just working in her studio and learning how the business ran. So the business part of it I was getting from her, meaning like, you know, invoicing, dealing with clients, dealing with her studio, making sure it was running while she was away on these fabulous um, shoots, and then on weekends I was shooting weddings, and then combining everything and trying to upgrade my food photography portfolio without effing everything up you you've put out some books and i'd love to ask you about and tell me if i'm mispronouncing it but um it's uh from paris to provence it's called paris to provence (laughs) i was so close you're so um but no i remember when you were working on this book and when it came out and how exciting it was tell me about the process there and what what the book's about well i will tell you um well okay so we were working we meaning uh me and a couple stylists, uh, specifically one of my friends, Ethel Brennan, and she's a prop stylist. And we've been working on a lot of cookbooks together. And we did, um, I don't know, maybe four or five. And uh, I think, I can't remember what year it was, like 2009 or 10. And it, we were just chatting on set one day and we were talking about our childhoods. And we had a very similar childhood upbringing, well, similar in, in some respects, where that her parents uh, brought her to, and her brother, 
to France um, during the summers, and they had a little house in Provence there, and they made goat cheese. They had a goat cheese farm. And um, and then my parents, my dad went to school in France for a bit, and so did my mom, and then they made all these friends there. And so we ended up going back to France every other summer for like however many years, since from like age three to like 16 or 17. I'm so lucky, which I am, yes, but that's a keep in mind when the flights were like $400 a person. And then we also stayed in like these seedy hotels that were like, you know, like $30 a night where the bathroom was down the hall. And then we ate at like, you know, cafeterias and stuff so we could make it work. It wasn't like fancy pants, like I'm going to Europe with my... But anyway, so we did that and we talked about it and we really had this great like bond over going to France and uh, we're like, let's write a book as like, hey, whatever. And it became like very easy and seamless. Like, well, her mom is a really well-known writer and she has all these recipes and her mom helped us. And Ethel wrote all the recipes. I do not know how to write a recipe for the record. I don't write any recipes. Um, But I did all these little snippets of writing of like memories that go with the recipes. And... um, I, so anyway, we did that. We, we put together a proposal. I think it was like 40 pages of like different images they had in my archive, combined childhood memories, plus like maybe 15 recipes. And there's one publishing company we worked with on our last book. Um, and we just were like, here's a proposal. And they're like, great, here's some money, make it. We're like, oh my God, we're just kidding. We were, we didn't really think it was going to happen. So you were shocked that this kind of like dream project that's yeah. just like flowing out of you, like this will be great, like this river. will be easy. <laughs> Analogies, please. You pitched uh, and <laughs> yeah. they were like, yeah, this is great, go. Yes, yeah, yeah, do it. Well, yeah, and I think the timing was good too because like Paris is like, very sellable. I don't know why everybody loves France and Paris and it's romantic. And it's uh, pretty great. Yeah, I do love. I love Paris. I love croissants. Oh, merguez and pate. Anyway, so I um, so it took us about two years, I think, from start to finish, from like the concept of it to the printing and like the output. And so the whole process was about two years. So yeah. one one question that I I feel people ask often, they ask they ask it more to working moms, but I think they should ask it to any working man with a family or working woman with a family. They ask like, how do you do it all? And I don't know Mm -hmm. that. And most of my friends who've like been asked that question, they're like, I don't do it all. (laughs) I do the best I can. And, 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 you know, there's like this. I poop on my shirt. Right. Exactly. You can't see it. Um, yeah. But I guess so more, the, the question isn't like, how do you do it all? It's the question is like, how has your life kind of expanded now that you have a family and how do you right. find room for a career? I, I, yeah. So I'm still trying to figure it out or we're, we're still trying to figure it out. It's not just me. Cause it's, you know, my, my husband also is, um, works really hard and he's got extremely busy days as do I, but the difference between his job and mine is that he has the very specific, you know, eight to six, nine to five, where I could have two weeks off and then I'm just like booked like crazy for three weeks. And usually it's last minute too. So not only that, that's hard in itself. Cause then you have to organize childcare, um, and the cost of that, but you, we're doing it with like no family in town, which is not, that's, I'm not, not blaming anybody. God damn it. But it, it's just, luckily we found the most amazing, um, nanny and she's extremely flexible and it's only us and she has her kids. And so we basically just go from week to week and say, okay, I need these days. I need these days. And she's just amazing. And, uh, and, and Mahela, my, my daughter's very happy with her, but it took a while to get to that point. And I think you need to have like a solid, you need to have 
it's true. It's like, you need to have a village. You can't do it all. Like we have this amazing nanny. She's got her great partner. She's got the kids and then they've got help. And, um, you know, we've got our friends and, um, my husband's brother and, and just like, I don't know, people to lean on and, and, and especially for work, I've, it's shifted my focus for work too, because now I really have to concentrate on not only the time it takes to organize all this stuff and like how valuable my time is, but what it means to be hired on these long jobs that don't necessarily have a huge budget for me to be on set for two weeks at a time without seeing my daughter and then paying the nanny. You know, it's like my plate is not specifically um, unique. Do you have to be the one then who says to yourself, okay, the world's going to continue to operate like this. I need to be more proactive about the boundaries I set with clients and the kinds of projects yes. that I take. And maybe you're, you're needing to like yes. figure this out as you're still running. Yeah. But how do you think about that? Yeah. And also, yeah. And I think it's so funny when you put up boundaries, people respect you more. It's so funny. We kept saying, this is something I'm still learning. Like I, in the beginning, I'd say yes to everything. I'll do that. I'll go here. I'll do that. And then you just burn out and, and just blaming other people. And you're like, okay, well, you're the one that said yes to everything. So, and then I think like, once you say like, I need this in my life to make myself sane and happy so other people can be sane and happy, specifically my family, then people respect that. And you don't need to give them an explanation like, I need more time with my daughter. Like you just say, this is what I need and this is what you get. And and there's plenty of people that will work with you and, and respect what you are doing to um, to make it, to make yourself happy and healthy and them happy with, you know, so, yeah. Well, thank you so yeah. much for doing it. And yeah, uh, yeah it, was, it was really great talking to you, Sarah. Wishing okay. you so much success. Thanks, you too. Yes, that was our conversation with Sarah Remington. I hope you laughed. I hope you learned some. And I hope you had as good a time listening to it as I did sitting here with Sarah. If you want to see Sarah's work, which is incredible, I encourage you to go to her website. It's sarahremington.net. That's S-A-R-A-R-E-M-I-N-G-T-O-N.net. Thanks again to our sponsor, General Assembly, a wonderful organization if you want to either upgrade your skills or completely change your career trajectory. So check out General Assembly. Just type in General Assembly in your web browser and then put a dot before the L-Y and you'll get right there. Thanks so much to our supporters and to my friends and family who have been just incredible throughout this whole process. And if you liked what you heard today, please head over to iTunes and leave a review. Leaving a review in iTunes is a really wonderful way for people to discover the show, and it would mean the world to me. Making Ways is engineered by Jim Heffernan at TTO Productions. Our music is by The Sandworms, and there's some more music by Jim Heffernan as well. If you want to learn more about me or the show, check out makingways.co. Hope you all have a great week. Adwanted UK is the provider of single-source media data for agencies, media owners, brands and academic institutions. And thanks to our rebranded news offering called The Media Leader, we can also lead the way 
in championing excellence and inclusion in the media industry. To find out more, simply visit the-media-leader.com to subscribe to our daily bulletins. The Media Leader from AdWanted UK.